So glad you're with us this morning at South City Church. My name is Drew Klein. I'm one of the pastors here. What a joy to have you with us. This is going to be a fun day, isn't it? I love the day that we get to do trunk or treat. You know, about three times a year, we, we just try to do some sort of event, uh, of, of an event that, that we just tell our community we love you. And uh, we just spend time with them. We enjoy them. There's going to be people here today with all sorts of crazy costumes on, right? Even some of you are like, yeah, I'm coming with a crazy costume on. So that's, okay, great. Uh, we're excited about that. It's going to be fun. Um, my little girl has decided that she, uh, she wants to be Captain America. She, 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 if you don't know who Captain America is, talk to Julian Dominguez. He can help us understand the whole Marvel Universe. Um, but anyway, I, you know, when, I, when I, she said that, I'm like, she's never seen the movie. She's never seen any of those movies. They're way above her, you know, ability to take that in. But she saw a commercial, and she sees a strong, heroic, amazing woman. She's like, yeah, I want to be that. I'm like, I'm okay with that. I'm good with that. She ended, she ended up being Wonder Woman, but, uh, you know, still, still good. Still good. Uh, if I'm honest with you this morning, if I'm being honest, I got to tell the truth. I like to dress up too. Not in sort of like a Halloween sort of dress up sort of a thing, um, but deep down in my soul, I am uh, a character. Um, I've told you this before. I, I occasionally get to live this character out, but deep down in my soul, I'm a cowboy. It's true. It's true. You don't, you don't believe it, maybe. But, um, and I come by it naturally. There's a little part of my soul that's a cowboy. My dad has a little bit more of his soul as a cowboy. And then his dad is, was actually a cowboy. And so, you know, we, we kind of come by it naturally. In fact, I think, do we have a picture, guys, of, of me in my alter ego in the picture number one there? Uh-huh. Yeah. So the other day, I'm weed-eating my yard. Just leave that picture up because it's just awesome. Um, I'm, I'm weed-eating my yard. Actually, before I go weed-eating, I go to pick out my weed-eater out of the garage, and I notice sitting next to my weed-eater is my cowboy hat, that cowboy hat. I don't wear that cowboy hat very much, but I thought, you need to weed-eat the yard in a cowboy hat. I mean, that's what you do. If you're a cowboy, you weed-eat the yard in a cowboy hat. So I put the cowboy hat on. I, of course, was wearing shorts. And uh, I finished the rest of my yard in my cowboy hat. I don't care if you like that or not. That's just what I wanted to do. And the thing is, is when I put that hat on, that's where I go. In my heart and in my mind, I just, I love the way it feels on my head. And I love the memories that I have with that hat on horseback and in places of incredible beauty. That's in Wyoming. And we were in Wyoming and Montana on that cattle drive. Um, but it's just something that I love to feel, and I love to, I, you know, I don't wear it out to dinner. I'm not, that's not, I don't do that sort of thing. But there's still a little piece of me that is a cowboy. I just got to be, I got to be honest. Um, this is, this is me. I'm in the middle of that bunch. We were, we, we drove 450 cattle, 50 miles on a cattle drive. And that was fun. I didn't walk the same after that week, but uh, it was quite the same. My grandfather, like I said, I come by it naturally. My grandfather was a mounted sheriff in Roland, Arkansas. Uh, and he used to love to do it up big. I mean, he had the horse decked out. I love Palomino's to this day, uh, and that's what that is. And he, um, he was just my hero. Look at how cool he looks, you know. And he dressed up in the, this, this, uh, this cowboy wear. But the thing is, is, it wasn't a costume for him. It wasn't something that he occasionally did. He was a cowboy. And so every time he went out of the house, he had boots on and a cowboy hat. 
right? And so, like I said, my dad's a little more cowboy than me, and then I've still got just a little piece of it down deep. And what's interesting this morning about things that we wear and characters that we put on is that Paul this morning in Galatians in our study, Faith and Freedom, it's our study in Galatians, Paul's going to encourage us to put on Christ. He's going to encourage us to, to be clothed in Christ. So what does that mean for us? Um, my grandfather, like I said, he was, he's an amazing person, but I found a picture. We, we looked for this picture. We couldn't find it, but I found this picture of him with some of his co-workers, and that's, that's me, by the way, um, at about five. Like I said, he was my hero, and that's that same horse. It was called Princess Sunday, and, uh, but I found this picture of my grandfather one time, and he was with some co-workers, and I noticed something. I'd seen the picture before, but he's wearing his hat, and he's wearing his, you know, cowboy stuff. The other guys are just wearing, like, mechanics gear and regular clothes. They just look like regular guys. And I had seen that picture before, but I started really thinking about it as an adult. And I started looking at it going, wait a minute. He didn't have to wear all that all the time. I thought that's just who he was. I thought it was his job. I thought that he just was like the Lone Ranger all the time, right? He wasn't. He chose to be that guy. He chose to put those things on. And what we're going to learn today from Paul in our text is that you got a choice too. It's up to you. It's up to your will. It's up to your desire to put on Christ and to imitate him. And so as we, we think about that this morning, we're going to look in our text in Galatians. And before we read this in Galatians 3, 24, let me just ask you this question. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What identity do you want to have? What do you want to be known by? Because this is what Paul is saying. Everything in us. Our, our main identifier, the main source of our significance should be in Jesus, right? Let's read this text. Galatians 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 24 through 28. It says this in the ESV. It says, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the beauty of what you're showing us about your heart for us. God, thank you for this letter that has been written by Paul to the Galatians to help them truly understand your incredible grace for them. Lord, help us to somehow understand it as well by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you'd get me out of the way. God, that, that everything that would be remembered and taken down in our hearts and souls today would be of you and not me. God, that you would increase and I would decrease. And Lord, in this time that you would anoint me by your power and by your spirit to speak your word with boldness and in truth for your glory in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. So last week we talked about the fact that God had given Abraham a promise. Remember that? Uh, he had given him several different aspects of that promise. But what Paul is trying to show to the Galatians is that that promise given to Abraham was better than the law given to Moses, right? The promise is better than the law. The promise uses words like, like grace and 
and forgiveness and justification. And the law uses words like obedience, commands, and rules, punishment. So Paul's reminding us that just because the law was newer, 430 years newer than than the promise, the law didn't negate the promise. And we can still live out of that promise. And if we this morning, if you have faith in Christ, you are an heir of that promise. Right? That you're affected by that promise because your faith is now in Jesus. And in the same way that that uh, righteousness was credited to, uh, to Abraham, Christ's righteousness is credited to you through your faith. Did you earn it? No, you didn't. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Nothing. We can't work for it. We, we receive it with joy, right? Because that's what God's grace is. And we're so thankful for it this morning. Uh, our text this morning, I want to show you three different applications, three different specific things. Number one, I want to show you that there is a vertical application, right, between God and us, a spiritual uh, relationship that basically we're saying this is who we need to be in Christ. This is what our identity needs to be. The text says, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. In verse 23 we studied last week, it talked a little bit about the fact that the law is like a prison. The law locks us down. The law is punishment over us, right? Um, And then in verse 24, Paul turns and says it's not just like a prison. It's also like um, a guardian. The Greek word here is pedagogus and it means uh, the picture there's a visual picture that goes with it and it's it's basically a slave of a family who is responsible for the discipline of a child right the slave just goes around with a child but the slave is known for walking around with a cane or a rod in his hand and you see where this is going right no right no bam some of you have had teachers that used to do that with rulers You know, it's like, ah, every time you heard it. Paul's showing us the law is not only a prison, but it's a cruel disciplinarian. That's what the law is. But now that faith has come, now that Christ has come, we're not under the law. We're not imprisoned, right? I love this graphic. Uh, I don't know if they can show the whole graphic of our new series. But Eric did it, and he did such a good job. One shows their hands that are in bonds. They're in cuffs, right, under the law. And then we have this on top, which is they're out of cuffs. They're worshiping. They're free. That's where we are. That's who we are. So we're no longer in prison. We're no longer uh, under the disciplinary uh, rule of the law. Um, Because Christ has come. Because faith has come. What does it mean to be justified? It means that we've been made right with God. And so now that we've been made right through faith, we, we don't have to be condemned and ridiculed by the law anymore. You know, parents, uh, if you're a parent, we work really hard to discipline our kids, to teach our kids something, right? We want to we teach our kids things that matter to protect them, to keep them safe. I love this story that my uh, father-in-law tells me about Lori. He said when she was a toddler, she would run from the sidewalk down to the street and just to, like, head for the street. He said, I, you just have to hear him in his accent say this, but he's like, I had to spank that little bottom from the street all the way back to the sidewalk. And she would cry, 
and then she would turn around and run right back towards the street. And he would have to spank her bottom all the way from the street back to the sidewalk. This went on and on until Lori went, I'm not going to the street anymore, right? No more street for me. The street, every time I get to the street, something happens that I don't like. That is discipline. The reason he was doing that is because he didn't want his daughter to get hurt by a car, or do something that was, was dangerous. This is the nature of the law, to teach us that, that we're sinners, that sin leads to death. The law shows us that God is holy and that we are not. And it disciplines us in a cruel and punishing sort of way. But the thing about discipline is we hope that our kids learn from it, right? That's the whole point. That at some point, Lori went, I know that if I'm playing in the street, I could get hit by a car. No more playing in the street. So here's the thing. When Christ has come, Paul says we're not doing away with the law. We're not just saying that the law is sinful. We're saying we hope we've learned from the law. We can't keep the law. If we try to keep the law, we're cursed. We can't keep it, right? So by God's grace, we're, we're justified, we're made right, but hopefully we've, hopefully we've learned from the law. And we can live in such a way that honors God, but not because we, we're earning love, but we're serving out of love, right? From a place of love. I... I uh, I love this idea that the Holy Spirit replaces the law in our lives when we come to Christ. See, where the law showed us everything that was wrong, and we had to try and keep up with everything, of course we couldn't, right? We were under a curse. Christ comes. The Bible says in Galatians that Christ literally became a curse for us. And I love the fact that that when he saves us and justifies us, he gives us what Paul calls the promised Holy Spirit, right? It happens at the same time. It's, it's synonymous. When you're saved, you get the Holy Spirit. And the job the Holy Spirit does in our hearts and in our lives is he reminds us of what pleases God. He replaces the law in many ways, right? He helps us literally not only be convicted of the things in our lives that are not right, but he helps us understand that it's because God loves us. And he wants to lead us to the very best life we can have. That's what the, the work of the Holy Spirit does in us. I love this verse in Philippians. I've loved it all my life, especially as a young believer. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Look, look what Paul says about this. He says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Listen, this is how much God loves us. He wants us to do his will, right? Because he knows that we don't need to be playing in the street. He knows he wants to lead us to, the, to life, a better life. And so not, because God loves us, not only does he give us the power to do his will, he gives us the desire to do his will. Isn't that good? That's amazing. It just, I don't know about you, it just, it, it changed my life. I went, oh, wow, okay. Lord, I want to know you more so that I can truly not only be able to do your will, to have the power to do, Lord, I want to do it. Give me a heart, give me a desire to serve you in your will. The Holy Spirit serves in that way in our lives. So Paul's telling the Galatians, listen, no longer are you sinners. Now you're sons. 
You're no longer sinners. Now you're sons of God through faith. Verse 26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Paul's saying this to the whole church, in, uh, the churches in Galatia. You are all sons of God. Now some of the women in here are going, <clears throat> Excuse me. Right? I can hear what you're thinking. I'm a son of God. No, I'm a daughter of God. Thank you very much. Right? I can hear. But before we rush away from the original text, let me, under, let me explain something real quick. In this time period, um, inheritance, nothing was left to daughters. Nothing. Daughters got nothing. Sons got everything. The oldest son got all the property. Paul is literally using this word with intention. He's saying when we are justified by God, when all of us, men and women, are justified by Christ and we come to know him, we all get the benefits of a son. Isn't that good? We, we shouldn't rush out too quick. To, some, some translations have even changed it to children of God. But we have to be careful because there's a reason for that meaning. We're all given the benefits of a son. We're all inherited. We all inherit this beautiful blessing of salvation and the spirit of God in our lives, all of us, everyone. This was Paul's attempt to show equality by calling us sons of God. I, I read a commentary this week that I thought was kind of interesting in the sense that you know, sometimes we talk about the bride of Christ and how men and women, we're all the bride of Christ. And some guys are like, huh, how's that? <laughs> how's that, right? In the same way, ladies, today, Paul's calling you a son of God in the sense that you have the full benefit of sonship. It's also important, I think, you know, that we make this comment here about our adoption in Christ. You know, some people say, uh, well, we're all just children of God. You heard people say that? We're all just God's children. You hear it on award shows. You hear politicians and different leaders. We're all just God's children. No, we're not, according to the Bible. Now, let me say this. Every human being ever created has been created in the image of God. Every single one in the Imago Dei. And it's beautiful. Tonight, we're, we're going we're gonna to experience some people. Some people might come in scary costumes. And you know what? Under that costume is the image of God, an image bearer of God. So some people go, hey, why do we do trunk or treat? It sounds like trick or treat. How could we do such a thing? Isn't this celebrating Halloween? Isn't this doing something for the devil? Let me just tell you something. God owns every moment of every day, right? We're not going to give up any days for the enemy. And we want to be light in the darkness. So I want to encourage you, even on Halloween, I want you to turn your lights on. Don't turn them off and hide from the community. Turn them on and be the best candy givers in the community. Have conversations with people. Tell them that God loves them. Be, be the people that, that you, they want to come back to. Begin a relationship that honors Christ. Let us be missional in all that we do. That's what we're doing today. I got off track here, but that's something I wanted to say. We are not all children of God. But when we have faith in Christ, that gives us this legal adoption in God. Right? We become sons and daughters of God legally. Look what uh, John 1.12 says. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Right? Paul's not saying everybody in the whole planet are sons of God. No, look what he says in our text here. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So, yeah. If you know Jesus, 
If you've been justified by Jesus, if you've been changed by Christ, if you are in Christ. Can I just say something about that phrase, being in Christ? The, the, the word salvation or being saved is used very few times in the New Testament. But the combination of the words in Christ, hundreds of times in the New Testament. Are you in Christ? If you're in Christ today, you are an adopted child of God. Uh, this is uh, the next point of your card here. Imitate Christ. Put on Christ. Clothe yourself with Christ. Verse 27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now let me ask something. Is Paul talking about water? Is he talking about the like water baptism here? No. <laughs> Is Paul saying you have to be baptized and then you're saved? No. He's not talking about water. The Greek word here literally means to be immersed. It means to dip. It's the reason we take people underwater, yes. But in this context, Paul is saying, is your life immersed? Have you ever felt underwater in life? I remember I was thinking about this this morning about college finals. You're living and breathing finals, right? Everything, you, all day, all night, you're, just, you're immersed in finals. Maybe you're trying to sell your house and life is absolutely insane. Trying to keep your house clean, trying to do life. You're just immersed in this season. Whatever it is, we've all been through seasons of, of being drowned in whatever that season is. This is the way Paul is using this text. He's saying, for those of you who have been uh, immersed in Christ, for those of you that are, that, are, that are full of Christ, who've really been changed by Christ, if that's you, then you have put on Christ. Paul's not saying that baptism saves us because for these three chapters in Galatians, he's been talking about the fact that there's only one thing that saves us, and that's faith in Christ, right? In fact, in this paragraph, he uses the word faith five times. He's not saying baptism saves us. He's saying our faith saves us, and if you've truly been saved, you have put on Christ. There's also an aspect of an image here of children. Uh, we get the image of the children with the disciplinarian thing, right? But we also get an image of children in the Roman culture. If you're a, a little boy, you wore a certain type of clothes. It was kind of like a robe. But at some point of maturity, uh, they decided you're no longer a child. You are now an adult. And he wore a toga, right? Which is like a, some other kind of clothing for all you Animal House people that watch the movie and you know what I'm talking about. Toga, Right? And so when anybody would see some, um, um, a boy or a young man in culture, they'd go, oh, he's now a man. Paul is saying, when people see your life, do they see maturity in Christ? Do they see that you've been changed? Do they see that you, you imitate, you emanate Christ, that everything about you is in him? Paul, speaking of this, in this sort of same sense of the word baptized I want you to see kind of how he uses it in Romans 6, 3 and 4 he says do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ again, not talking about water were baptized into his death we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death again, not talking about water in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life, now here's what's confusing when I baptize people in water, I say these things from this verse. 
buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. But what Paul is talking about is, have you been buried in your life with Christ? Have you died to yourself and now what lives through you and in you is this life in Christ? That's what he's saying. Is your life surrounded by Christ-likeness? Have you been changed? That's the way Paul is using this. Have we died? Because if you have, then you truly have clothed yourself in Christ. You've put on Christ. Uh, there's also a sense of this that's connected to our identity. My, my little girl, Jovi, she's, you know, you get around this time of year and she does lots of dress-up things. So the other day she was in the kitchen and she was a teacher. I didn't know what she was doing and I turned, finally turned around and I, she's got a little desk, got the apple on the desk, she's got her hair in a bun, um, she's got like a stapler and tape and the whole nine, right? And I'm like, what you doing, baby? She's like, I'm a teacher and if you want to come to class, then you keep down, you know, quiet down. I'm like, but here's the thing, Jovi's not a teacher. She's a nine-year-old. She's pretending to be a teacher. She's faking it for fun. She's putting something on to pretend. Let me ask you this question this morning. Are you a pretend Christian? Do you put on a costume and go, yeah, let's go to church. Yeah, let's talk about God occasionally. Or have you put on Christ? You know, when I went on that cattle drive, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I liked riding horses, but I'd never ridden uh, 80 miles in seven days. That's how much we rode. I bought brand new boots. I didn't even have a pair of boots at the time. I'd never put them on. They're still in the box in my suitcase. I, I bought uh, spurs to go on the boot. I'd never had spurs. I bought chaps. I was ready. I was decked out. And the first morning I walked out, and we were staying in these tents. I walked out of this tent, and I felt like a complete moron. You know, i be honest with you. It felt like dress up. It felt like we were playing dress up. I felt like Woody in uh, Toy Story. Like, ching, ching. What am I doing? Right? And so we go to breakfast, and everybody's messing with each other. I didn't text. You know, and we're doing all these silly stuff, and we're talking with each other, messing with each other. Well, then we proceed to ride horses and push cattle and separate calves from, from the moms for the next eight to ten hours on horseback. Dusty, gross, cows are nasty animals. And you see pretty much everything. And uh, after the day was over, we went to bed. The next morning, I woke up and I put those same clothes on. I put the same boots on, the same spurs. But guess what? I did not feel like I was playing dress up. Nobody joked. It was interesting. Nobody goes, hey, tech. No, we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't joke. You know why? We were becoming cowboys. <laughs> I mean, we were roping, we were riding, we were dusty, we were gross. And these were tools that we needed. I'm glad I had those chaps because I was riding through brush to find a calf that had run off. This was, these were things that were needed. And that's the thing about being in Christ it's either a disguise and it's fake or it's something you've truly put on in your life. And you realize that God has given us tools to live by and things to use and it's a blessing to your life. We have to imitate Christ and it's on us to do it. This is what I mean. It's your responsibility. Let me, let me clarify this. Yes, God saves us by his grace. 
right? We don't earn it. By faith, we are saved, right? We don't boast in any other thing but God's grace alone. But Paul here, in many of these places I'm about to show you, says it's on us to put on Christ. Look here with me. Romans 13, 12 says this. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so let us. What's he, whose responsibility on here? So let us cast off works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Is he saying that we have some culpability here, that we have some responsibility in this? Yeah. Ephesians 4.24, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Whose responsibility is it to put on Christ? It's ours, Colossians 3.12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Friends, it's on us. Are you imitating Christ? Are you playing dress up? Are you putting on the things of God, the, the mind of Christ, the life of Christ? Are you imitating him in that way? He gives us these specific things, right? Are you, are you, do you have a compassionate heart? Are you kind? Are you humble? Is there meekness in your life? Are you patient? Are we forgiving one another? Those are what it looks like to truly clothe ourselves in Christ. Paul's saying, listen, if you've done this, if you've put on Christ, if you've clothed yourself in Christ, it's because you've been truly changed by Christ. Yeah, we're all wearing clothes. You may be sitting pretty close to somebody. You may be nuzzled up, but you know what's closer than they, they are? Your clothes. There's nothing closer to us right now than our clothes that we're wearing. And I'm thankful for them, by the way, just so you know. Our clothes are close to us. Paul's saying, clothe yourself. In Christ. Let me, let me make some, some suggestions here. The thing about our clothing is often it identifies who we are. We have some doctors in the house. We have some nurses. We have some people who, uh, um, I just went blank. We have people that wear uniforms, right? Can, maybe construction. It might be a post, postal service worker. Uh, there's different things that some of us wear that people go, oh, I know what that guy does. Right? Our, sometimes our clothing gives us our identity. And in this way, Paul is saying, be identified in Christ. Let people see you and go, oh, I know who that guy lives for. I know what's most important to that guy. What about closeness? Is there anything closer to us? Our clothes, they keep us warm. They protect us. They give us confidence. You know, I don't, I don't really own that many suits. I, I don't really... I don't wear suits very often, occasionally for a wedding or a funeral. But when I do wear a suit, I look good. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, when I do wear a suit, I, it makes me feel, I feel something. You know, when you dress up, you kind of go, hmm, well, hello. You know, it's, it just, there's something happens. You get a confidence in yourself. Guess what? When we clothe ourselves in Christ, we ought to be confident. We ought to have a godly significance and identity and confidence in who he is making us 
to be. Right? He's close. He sticks closer than a brother. We're his son or daughter literally moment by moment. Like we depend on our clothing. <laughs> He's with us. We imitate Christ. Dee said it this morning in our welcome. Do you have an awareness that wherever you go, that whatever you do, you take Christ with you, just like you take your clothes? Y'all know I'm a sucker for Mexican food. And I really love fajitas. And I love when you can hear them from across the restaurant. And I'm like, here it comes. Right? But here's the negative, or positive, depending on how weird you are. Um, Fajitas are going to be with you all day, aren't they? You're going to smell like fajitas all day, and guess what? That's the way it works in life. You're going to take your life into places maybe they shouldn't be. And the rest of the day, you're going to smell like whatever that thing is. The residue of whatever that thing that you walked your life into will be with you. So be careful. Imitate Christ. Know that he is with you. We live our lives before a watching, holy, yes, loving, and forgiving God. And we want to honor him with our lives. We want to imitate him and be aware of the fact that we live before him. Our clothes also cover us. The same way that God's love covers us. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin. And we see the first death. The first death of an animal that is now, and the first shedding of blood that is now going to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. And it's also prophetic, right? Because it's going to show us this is the story God is writing. And one day Jesus would come in his goodness and his grace and his unbelievable love for me and you. And he would shed his own blood. And that sacrifice for us would cover our shame and our nakedness spiritually. We have to put on Christ. We have to realize what we're, we're doing. We have to make the choice, God, go with me. May I be identified in you. May I be close to you, Lord. May I imitate you everywhere I go. And Lord, please cover me with your grace. And your mercy make me acceptable before God. Here's the third point I want to make this morning. There's a horizontal application. We're all equal. There's a horizontal application. There's, verse 28 says, There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul has said, okay, you're no longer sinners, you're sons. And if you're a son, put on Christ. Look like it. Live like it. Be immersed in a lifestyle, and a mindset of who Jesus is. And then when we do that, be unified together. We're one. Yeah, we're different, but be one. Paul gives us this vertical application, but he also gives us this horizontal application to each other. By the way, there's equalness on both sides of the cross. <laughs> this is what I mean. We are all equal in our sinfulness before we know Jesus, right? We've talked about that a couple of weeks ago. There's no one who's chosen right. We're all fallen. We've all made mistakes. No one seeks after God. No one. We're equal in our fallenness, in our brokenness. And yet Christ comes, offers us this justification, this life in him, this grace, this salvation, this blessing given to Abraham, this promise now that we can receive an inheritance 
from God. And now on this side of redemption, we're all equal. <laughs> we're all equally forgiven. We're all equally made new. Isn't that good? We're all equal and we've been clothed in Christ. You know, when I first heard this and started, started trying to wrap my brain around the truth of this, it really changed my walk with Christ. Think about this. When God looks at you, if you know him, if you are in Christ, this morning, if you are in Christ, you know him as your Savior, and God looks at you, he doesn't see broken, sinful, busted up, idiot Drew, who's made so many mistakes. Praise God, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. He didn't see me. He didn't see the sinfulness in my life. He sees Jesus' sacrifice over my life because I am under, I am in Christ. Isn't that good? He sees him. He sees him. Friends, in Christ, there is no racial or cultural distinction. When we're in Christ, there's no social or economic distinction. There's no gender distinction. Can I remind you, I've mentioned this before, but the prayer of the, of the Pharisees, they would wake up in the morning and they would pray, Lord, thank you that I am I'm not a Gentile dog. And thank you that I'm not a woman. And thank you that I'm not a slave. And yet what's interesting is Paul is writing this to the Galatians and he said in Acts, it says in Acts, Luke tells us, that the people who are causing this scandal, the people who are bringing these works, theology into the church and saying you need to do these things, you need to be circumcised to be saved, he says in Acts that they're Pharisees. That these Pharisees have come into the church in Galatia and in Antioch and in Jerusalem. How interesting that Paul speaks to each of these issues that they pray every morning. And he says it beautifully. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you something. What does that mean? Does that mean that the differences and the colors and the distinctions that, that make us up, does that mean they don't matter at all? Just let's do away with them, right? Let's just be colorblind. Let's just not worry about any cultures. That we don't, we just, we'll all be the same. I hope not. Right? Because God has given us this beautiful, beautiful rainbow of colors. This beautiful uh, smorgasbord of cultures that we can be. But our color and our culture are secondary to our identity in Christ. I want you to hear that. You should not have any identifier in your life that is greater than your identity in Christ. People should know you because of your love for Jesus. Oh, yeah, and he's, he does this too. Oh, yeah, and he's interested in this too. Is that the case? Where does your identity lie this morning? Does it mean that we should all make the same amount of money? That we should all have the same title? We should all just be socialists and live in this sort of commune thing? No. In fact, Paul speaks directly uh, in Ephesians to slaves and to masters. He talks about the fact that in this work relationship, which is where we go from that today, that there's honor and respect and love for masters and slaves, both sides, when we're in Christ, right? He speaks directly to these 
distinctions, which means Paul's not saying do away with them. In the same way, it says there's never, neither male or female. Now, I've heard this, this text preached recently, and someone said this shows that there should be no worry, there should be no gender. Genders don't matter. Heard a lady the other day say there was 20-something genders, and I'm like, I'm not being good at math. I'll be honest with you. I'm not good at math. But what? Huh? What planet is she on? Right? In fact, Genesis says God created man and woman. Right? Jesus speaks to the fact that we are men and women. There's two genders. And we're not supposed to do away with them because Paul speaks in Ephesians specifically to some of those responsibilities as men and women as husbands and wives. There are unique distinctions, yet equal value. And when it comes to our sonship, our adoption in Christ, our salvation, we're all equal. We're all there. We're all one, Paul says. The gospel calls us as a church, as the body of Christ, to radical love and unity. We think it's hard now, right? We think it's difficult now in some places. It was hard then. It was what Paul called a mystery in Ephesians. How in the world are we supposed to live together as Jews and Gentiles? We've been opposing each other. We've been uh, prejudiced of each other. Now you want us to be one? Yeah, in fact, Paul says in Ephesians, there's no more races. There's one race, Christians. We're one if we're in Christ. I love the way Tim Keller says this. He says, all the barriers that separate people in the world into warring factions come down in Christ. That means white supremacy, racism, cultural arrogance has no place in the family of God. We ought to hear a little bit more of those amens in here. It has no place in the church. We are one. We are one. We are equal. May our hearts know it, believe it, and live it. I have, this is what it means. I have more in common with a brother in Syria who was a former Muslim that gets saved in Syria, comes to know Jesus. I have more in common with that guy than I do with a relative down the street who doesn't know Jesus and is living for the devil. Because I'm going to spend eternity with that brother in Syria. He's my brother in Christ. And as Keller says, all these warring factions, they all fall down when we're in Jesus. Because we're equal, we're one. Neither Jew nor Greek, we accept one another without one group feeling superior to another. We love one another across racial and cultural barriers. Neither slave nor free. We talked about this when we were studying James, remember? The poor should never be treated less than. They should never be treated with inferiority. And the rich should never be treated with special honor. Oh, come sit here. Come receive this. No, may it never be. We are equal. We are valued equally. Neither male nor female. By the way, this was revolutionary. For Paul to say this was revolutionary. Women were property. Women were abused. Women were kept down constantly. And Paul says, they're your equal men. 
because they're equal in Christ, we have to accept the fact they're equally gifted. They're equally able to serve. They're still unique roles. They're still complementary function, yet valued equally. Listen, I want to close. This is what this means for us in Christ. How can we ever look down on anyone who has Christ, who is in Christ? Could we ever look down on somebody if they too are in Christ? Or if we flip-flop it and we say, how could I ever uh, be jealous of someone else when I have the Son of God, when I am a Son of God, when I have the Spirit of God? The gospel of Jesus gives us our identity and it gives us unity with one another. Paul says to the Galatians, you're no longer sinners, you're sons. South City, you're no longer sinners, you're sons. You know, many of you walk in some different identity. Many of you walk in some identity of abuse. You walk in some identity of poverty. Maybe you walk in an identity of arrogance because of a degree or because of a job or a business or an amount of money or the lack of amount of money. May we walk in the truth of who we are in Christ, equal. What is your identity this morning? Where do you find your significance? Are you clothed in Christ? Have you put on Christ? Let me ask you this. Maybe you know him with all your heart, you've trusted him, but you haven't put him on. Right? You're, still, you're still like Mr. Rogers. Remember Mr. Rogers, he'd take his sweater off and put the... That's not the way it is with Christ. No, he just stays. I want to be the same person you see right now that in 10 minutes I'll be the same person. And in 10 years, by God's grace, I'll be the same person in need of God's grace, walking only because of that grace, serving out of that grace. Where's your identity lie? And as sons in that identity, we're no longer captives. We're free. We have freedom in him. And as we put on Christ, we find our identity, our intimacy, our desire to serve him, our covering under him. As we close, listen, do you consider yourself a sinner or a son? If you had to pick which bucket you would be in today, who would you be? How are you walking? How are you living as a sinner or a son? May we be in Christ. Know the benefit of that inheritance we have in Jesus. That forgiveness and yet on us the desire to put on Christ. On us the desire to serve and forgive and love out of the grace we've been saved by. We look around this room this morning. We see different colors, different cultures, different lifestyles, different folks, men and women. But in Christ, we are one. We are equal. Amen? Pray with me this morning. Father God, thank you for your kindness and your mercy today. Lord, thank you that this morning we are, uh, we are no longer sinners under the penalty of prison uh, and the guard of a cruel taskmaster, a cruel disciplinarian, popping our hands every time we make a mistake, God. Instead, we are given freedom in you 
You want us to mature in Christ. You want us to put on the life and mind and heart and lifestyle and acts and decisions of Jesus himself. You want our identity, Lord, to be in you. And God, I'll be the first one to say I've made so many mistakes in this area. For so long, I wanted to be an athlete, Lord. That's what I wanted my identity to be as an athlete. And then, Lord, I began to sing, and I was okay at it. I was pretty good. And so, God, I'll, I'll be a singer. How about that? And so, Lord, do in me what you want as a singer. Man, I'd be the greatest singer I've ever, anybody's ever heard of. Let that be who I am. And God, may I say today before you in this world, I don't care about any of that. Lord, the Apostle Paul said he had lots of attributes and lots of things that he could be applauded for. He said, God, it's all dung. It's nothing to me, God. I want to know Christ. Lord, may that be our heart today, that we know you, that we imitate you, that we live for you, that we put on Christ. And we don't fake it, God. It's not a costume. I've made that mistake too. God, it needs to be a life for the rest of our lives. May we be living in and under and because of Christ. And Lord, may that reality in our identity change how we care for one another. God, would you forgive us for racism? God, would you forgive me for racism? Would you forgive me for classism, ever thinking I'm better than somebody else? God, would you forgive us as a church for anything that would displease you? God, would you, would you forgive me for ever thinking a man is, a, is better than a woman? God, it's sin, and I'm sorry. Would you forgive us? We are one in Christ Jesus. We are one. Lord, may you do a work in and through this church, in and through these partners, in and through these people, that you might make us more like Christ, that we would just imitate you more and more, that we would put on Christ, and people would begin to see him more than us. The things of God in us more than the things that we want to be about, Lord. That we would let go of all the things, God, that interest us in ways and pick up all the things that interest you. More of you, less of us. Lord, we take this time now to be serious about our relationship with you. We ask the question, is everyone here in Christ? Lord, if there's one person that doesn't know you, would you draw them by the Holy Spirit to yourself, Father, that they might trust you and have faith in you and find this life, become a son or daughter in you. And Lord, if there's some of us here today that just kind of keep putting on the mask, keep putting on the mask one day on, one day off, one day on, God, would you forgive us and would you lead us to our knees? Help us to put on Christ every single moment of every day. Living in your grace, by your grace, but with an intentionality to make you known and love you with all that we are. Be identified by you and you alone. Bless this time of worship, Lord, as we surrender to you now. In Jesus' name.